Hello listener and welcome to Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Thank you so much for finding time to join me. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Pastor Kigundu Ndege is on standby with the family of segment. Today, we will talk about marriage is not about satisfaction. Pastor Leki Mani will also join us during the Bible segment. Today, he will conclude on my impossibility, God's possibility. Stay tuned for this and some songs which I store for you. Here's a song, Dunia Imelaniwa by Langata Church Choir. Kwa kebwa rai 
is the New Life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Get ready to listen to Pastor Kigundu with the Family Life segment. Be blessed. Dear listener, we want to welcome you to our program, The Abundant Life, a program that is based on John 10, verse 10, where Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And remember, this abundant life involves and encompasses our marriage. Today, I want to explore the topic where we are saying marriage is not about satisfaction. Marriage is not about satisfaction. Dear listener, did you know that marriage has a purpose even when it's not working? Most people miss this point. They think that marriage is about getting our own needs met. They think that it's about me. And they ask, what am I getting out of this marriage? If that's what marriage is about, then why get married in the first place? Isn't that what being single is all about? There's an article that appeared in Marriage Partnership magazine titled It's Not About Satisfaction, written by Juliana Slattery. Here is part of what Juliana wrote. The Bible says, she quotes Psalm 127 verse 1, Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. In marriage, we must recognize the importance of God in all that we do. We cannot build our house without Him. Perhaps that is why all our efforts can feel like we are beating our heads against a brick wall. Although we can influence our spouse, we cannot ultimately change his or her heart. She continues to say, She continues to say, the temptation to give up on marriage because it's disappointing or unsatisfying is what overwhelms many spouses. This is particularly true in a culture that's so focused on self-fulfillment. If a marriage is ultimately about getting our own needs met, then marriage is over when intimacy fails. She continues, however, marriage can also be viewed as something beyond our needs is often the ultimate test of our values and character. Like no other relationship, marriage can highlight our fears and selfishness. It's essentially a ministry. The way we respond in marriage reflects our core beliefs and our very reason for living. Being a faithful and loving spouse ultimately relies upon our choice to be faithful to God. Especially when a husband or wife is unlovable, continuing in the marriage is only possible when our life means more than finding pleasure, fulfillment, and happiness. When marriage is viewed as a calling or ministry, hope resurfaces in the midst of broken dreams. The hope is no longer that the frog will turn into prince or princess charming. There is instead hope that God can be glorified through what seems like a tragedy. 
It's only in seeking God and His plan to build the house that forgiveness and unconditional love can infuse life into a dead marriage. So if being marriage isn't about getting needs for intimacy and companionship met, then what's the purpose? Although God's design is for a husband and wife to be one, the reality of marriage falls short. Marriage is a mystery that's meant to awaken and illuminate our hunger for Christ. Throughout the Bible, there are references describing marriage as a metaphor for Christ and His people. It's through the marriage experience that a woman can understand her longing for a bridegroom who love and sacrifice unconditionally. The emptiness and disappointment that surface in marriage aren't supposed to signal the end of hope, but begin the need for true hope. Marriage isn't meant to satisfy, but to ignite the passion for which we were created, that is, intimacy with God. Psalm 143 verse 3 says, Sorry, sorry. Although God may ask you to persevere through a marriage that's disappointing and unfulfilling, your needs are important to Him. He doesn't ask you to ignore your longing for love and companionship, but to trust Him with them. Psalm 146 verse 3 says, Don't put your trust in princes, in mortal man who cannot save. Therefore, even the best spouse cannot provide salvation, spiritually or emotionally. No matter how good your marriage, sorry, no matter how good your marriage, you'll go through times of drought. Your spouse was never meant to satisfy you completely, nor you, him, or her. Perhaps the most touching conversation Jesus had with a human while on earth was with a Samaritan woman, as recorded in the Bible in John chapter 4. This woman had been married five times and was currently living with someone to whom she wasn't married. She was thirsty for love. Try as she might, the affection of a man never satisfied her. She probably hoped that the next guy just might be the hero she was longing for. Jesus knew her thirst for love, just as he knows yours. He said to her in John 4 verse 13, Everyone who drinks of sorry, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So I ask you, dear listener, is your well dry? Do you feel as though you have little to give your spouse? How can you love when he or she has given you nothing? Dear listener, the answer is Jesus. Imagine a well of love springing up inside of you. No longer are you dependent of your, on your spouse's touch or compliment to make it through the day. Only Jesus is able to love you perfectly. You can only invest in your marriage when your life and your happiness doesn't depend on the success of finding the hero in your husband or savior in your wife. If wives are desperate for knights in shining armor, they won't be able to vanquish their insecurities and disappointments long enough to invest in mortal husbands. Instead, you must depend on God and His provision for your ultimate worth and stability. Only then can you freely obey God's wisdom rather than your fears.
Intimacy with your spouse is a goal worthy of your attention and efforts. However, there are many happily married people who are spiritually dead. A great marriage is a good thing, but it's not the best thing. Both the excitement of a growing marriage and the despair of brokenness are chances to seek, sorry, both the excitement of a growing marriage and the despair of brokenness are chances to seek and glorify God. What an inspiration the apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians when he wrote, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content sorry, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That is Philippians four, verse twelve to thirteen. The enemy of our faith wants us to distort what marriage is all about. Dear listener, remember it's not about us. It's about living Christ. Is how you are living distracting you from living Christ in your marriage? Are you showing love to your spouses as sorry? Are you showing love to your spouses Christ loves the church? It's my prayer that we will all remember our first love. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And dear listener, you can't get a closer neighbor than your spouse. So the question I want to leave with you is this. What have you done today to love your spouse as unto the Lord? And well, don't forget to plan how to love your spouse tomorrow as well. Tune to Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. This is your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Our producer would love to have your thoughts about this program. Please send them to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, Code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya. You can also reach us through awr Nairobi at ek.adventist.org. Let us now listen to Langata Church Choir with the song, Karamo Yawashindi. Yeah. 
another opportunity to get some spiritual nourishment from Pastor Lee Kimani. Welcome, Pastor. Hello, my friend, again. I have come to continue with the part two of this series titled My Impossibility, God's Possibility. In the last topic, we discussed about the giant Goliath. David had come to the valley of Elah, and when he came, he heard this giant Goliath taunting the children of Israel, and he took up the challenge to stop that taunting. We talked about the giants in your life, the giants that walk in the hallways of your memories, the giants that walk through the passages of your day-to-day life, the giants who walk into your office, into your bedroom, into your sitting room. You just don't find peace. And I asked yesterday, you recognize his walk. But my question today is, is the giant the only one you see? You see, you know his voice, but is he all you hear? David saw and heard more. Read with me the first words he spoke, not just in the battle, but also in the Bible. First Samuel 17:26, reading from the New International Version, says, David asked the man standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David shows up discussing God. The soldiers mentioned nothing about him. The brothers never spoke his name. But David takes one step into the stage and raises the subject of the living God. He does the same with King Saul. Not chit-chat about battle or questions about the odds. Just a God-birthed announcement. First Samuel 17.37 says, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Here is the power of this passage beyond the violence. David shows up with God. Beloved, my friend, if you are going to conquer your giants, you must show up with the power of God. When the giant mocks David, he, he replies in 1 Samuel 17, 45 to 47, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Verse 47 says, All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. No one else discussed God. David discusses no one else but God. David sees what others don't see and he refuses to see what others see. All eyes except David's falls on the brutal, heat-breathing giant. The people know Goliath's tones, demands, size, and strut. They have measured in Goliath. But David, David measures in God. He sees the giant, but he sees God more. Look at verse 45 again. You come against me 
with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Note the plural noun, armies of Israel. The common observer only sees one army, not David. He sees platoons of angels and infantries of saints. He sees the weapons of wind and the forces of the earth. God could pellet the enemy with hail as he did for Moses. God could collapse the walls as he did for Joshua. God could stir the thunder as he did for Samuel. David sees the armies of God. When David tells Goliath, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the army of Israel, that passage is pregnant with meaning. God of the armies of Israel, Ritlery says, Israel has God. This God is Jehovah. War is his, meaning he is Lord of the war, who has both war and its result in his power. David understood who God was. David sees the armies of God, and because he does, he hurries and runs towards the army to meet the Philistine. David's brothers cover their eyes, both in fear and embarrassment. King Saul sighs as the young Hebrew races towards certain death. Goliath throws his head in laughter, just enough to shift his helmet and expose a square inch of his forehead. David spots the target and seizes the moment. He swings his sling and the stone torpedoes through the air into the skull. Goliath's eyes crossed and his legs buckle and he crumbles to the ground and dies. The great invincible giant has been defeated. That victory, my listener, my friend, is your victory today. There are five lines that throb with special power for us today. First Samuel 17, 26. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? Who does this Philistine think he is? In a world teeming with enemies, God's dispirited and fearful armies long for a glimpse of his power. Behind the mask of uncertainty lacks the smoldering desire to be electrified by someone who believes. My friend, Friend, I came to tell you today, God will act to defend his name. Secondly, small victories are the promise of greater ones. Bring your giants. First Samuel 17, 45, David said, You come against me with swords and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. It is not the weapons in our hands, but the banner under which we march. Fourthly, our world is waiting to know that our God is alive. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 50, So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Little weapons in the hands of little people mean great victories for those who trust. David knew who, how to get ahead of his giant. When is the last time you got ahead of your giant? How long since you ran into your challenge? Many times we tend to retreat from our problem and our challenge. Face your fears. Do not post them on Facebook. We sometimes hide behind the desk of work or crawl into a nightclub of destruction or a bed of forbidden life. For a moment, a day, or a year we feel safe, insulated. But then the work runs out, the liquor wears off, and the love lives. And we hear Goliath booming 
again. Try something different. Today I came to encourage you. Rush your giant with a God-saturated soul. Divorce, you are not entering my home. Giant of depression, it may take time, take a lifetime, but you will not conquer me. Giant of alcohol, bigotry, child abuse and insecurity, you are going down. How long since you loaded your sling and took a shot at your giant? Too long maybe you say, this day I present to you David as a model. God called him a man after my own heart. Yes, David, the man who with so many flaws, this man fell as many times as he stood. He stumbled as often as he conquered. He was real and if God used him to conquer his giant, he can surely use you today to conquer your giant. We need David's, uh, David's story today because it is our story. The giant that is lacking in your neighborhood. Today, my friend, you can say enough is enough. You can conquer that giant. You can face your giant. If you focus on your giants today, you will stumble. But if you focus on God, your giants will stumble. So I came to introduce you to Jesus, who is going to give you power over your giant, who is going to give you power to conquer your victory. No matter what you're going through, no matter what your challenge, I want you to read the story of David and to know that Jesus is on your side. The God who made a miracle out of David stands ready to make one for you. God has your destiny in his hands. You must welcome him into your life. Is this your desire today? I invite you to welcome God to walk in your life. May God bless you as you go through your day today. Amen. That brings us to the end of our program for today. I hope that you've been blessed. Would you like to have a views, comments, or questions about the program? By writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, PO Box 42276-00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is awrnairobi at aku.adventist.org. Join me next time, same place, same time. But until then, may our God keep you safe. I've been a presenter, Samuel Mangi. Yeah.